We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. Um, I know most of you here, if you don't know me, my name's Darren, uh, pastor here at Light Church. And we, as Ben said, we're reading the Gospel of John. I encourage you to read along with us. There's some bookmarks around out in the foyer. We're, we're a couple of uh, weeks into that. But uh, not too late to jump on the John train and join us as we read that. Um, the Gospel of John focuses, focuses on who Jesus is. We still don't, doesn't all the Bible do that? But John in particular sort of frames it in that way. If you ever Google, I googled who is Jesus yesterday. And you know, and underneath it tells you how many responses come up. And yesterday it was 2,440,000,000 responses, answers on Google about who is Jesus. I wonder which one's right. You know, everyone's got an opinion about who Jesus is. There's ten thousands of books, tens of thousands of books probably, written about Jesus. Everyone's got an opinion who Jesus is. Um, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Um, the author of John makes it pretty clear what his goal is in, in the book of John. Um, we've got some scriptures here. This is at the end of the Gospel of John, John 20. We're going to have a little bit of an overview of John, and then I'm going to focus in on one verse. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. This is a writer. But these are written so you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and, by, and that by believing in him you will have life by the power of his name. So that's the reason why the Gospel of John is written. It's really clear. I've recorded these miracles so you can see something. Um, the book was re- written so you will believe that Jesus is the Son of God and have life according to that scripture. And uh, to the reader at that time, the Son of God, what does that mean? That actually, for the reader, that meant he was God, not just like a semi-God. The Son of God meant he was God. And he came to show us what God was like as well. And, and, and the book of John, when you read it, you start off with John chapter 1, which is a good place to start on John. And it starts at the beginning of John by really introducing this same thing, Jesus is, it says, he's the word of God. He was in the beginning. He created all things through him. So it's setting that right up at the beginning of John that Jesus is God and he's the word. By the way, whenever you read the word of God in the Bible, like the word of God is sharper than to, or the word of God will remain forever. It's actually firstly talking about Jesus. It's actually not talking about the Bible to start with. The Bible was written, put together 200 years after this. Okay? When, when the Bible refers to the Old Testament, it says, as it's written in the scriptures. So it can be applied to the Bible, but it's actually talking about Jesus first. The word of God is sharper. It's actually talking about Jesus first, then can be applied to the Bible. Because, you know, 200 years later, they put the Bible together. At the time, half the Bible wasn't written. And uh, so, so when you read those words, the word of God, it's Jesus. And then you can apply it to other things. It's a little biblical lesson for you. And John has seven miracles. 
Seven. Seven miracles. And in John, he doesn't call them miracles. He calls them signs. And the reason he calls them signs is because it's, they're meant to show you something. And they're signs like talk, t- um, turning the water into wine. Like he's power over elements. Walking on water, he's got power over gravity. All these healings. Um, feeding the 5,000, that's nothing to him. Many healings, raising Lazarus from the dead. He's, he's got power over life and death. So every miracle in John was actually a sign to show you that he is God. They all are there for a reason. And they show us that Jesus has the power over sickness, over the natural elements, over gravity, over death, over everything. John 21 verse 25 says this. Jesus did many other things, and if they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books written in them. Wow, not that time. As well as seven signs, or seven miracles in John, there's the seven I am statements. Have you ever heard the I am statements? I'll I'll, I'll give you a reminder. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep to come through. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the true vine. They're all written in the book of John as well. And the word I am is the title for God. I am. And again, they're there for a reason, to show you something powerful. I am this, I am that. Once Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? And that's the question we all have to ask. We can read about Jesus, look at Jesus, we can come to church, we can hang out with the Christian crowd, but sooner or later, we have to answer that question, who do you say I am? Uh, He makes all these sorts of claims. And I'm going to look at one of those I am statements and just unpack it a little bit today. And maybe over the next coming weeks, coming up to Easter, we might look at a couple more. John 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Who used to sing that as a kid in a little song? Who had it on their fridge? On their... Come on, Tash, you did. You've got it on your fridge, haven't you? Yeah, good. Um, it's one of those statements where, you know, we, we sing about it, we talk about it. It's, it's a quote. What does it mean? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. What does it mean? Well... If you look into it, um, Jesus, in the Jewish world, that would have meant a couple of things, maybe. The way, the truth, or the life were were actually words that were full of meaning, full of symbolism. If you've got your Bible, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, are called the Torah, you know, the Torah. And sometimes they were referred to as the way, the truth, and the life. And that's what the Jewish people referred to them as. Now, we call them the law because they got about 600 commands in them. So we call it the law. But they didn't see it as a book of rules. Um, In the Jewish mindset, they saw those first books as a way, this is how you be a people of God. This is how you relate to God. Instead of being a slave, you live with one another. And, and those first five books were to point towards God. They're the way, the truth, and the life. So when Jesus was saying, I'm the way, the truth, 
and the life. He's saying, hey, I'm this new Torah. I'm this way to connect with God, this way to know God. I'm the fulfillment of all those instructions. How you come to God, how you live with one another. And uh, others believe this, the way, the truth and the life. Some, if you read some commentators, they say, oh, in the temple, there was three gateways you went into. And the first door was called the way. And the second door was called the truth. And the third door into the most holy of holies where God's presence was, was called the life. So it was like where the glory and the presence of God was. So that was another expression around at the time. So when Jesus said these words, those listening would have had all these thoughts going through their mind. What is he saying? He's saying he's, he's God. He's saying... Jesus was saying, I'm the way to find God. I'm the way to know God. I'm the way to have life. And uh, uh, John 17 verse 3, this is eternal life that you may know me. Know the Father and Jesus, the one who was sent. And I, I look back at those words. Now we've got, the, at the time, you know, the Bible wasn't put together. Jesus said the words. When we look back at those words, we have the whole Bible as a context to look through. It's different than they. So we have the other books of the Bible that weren't even written at the time. And when I think about the way, Jesus being the way, I think about a track or a path. That's the way to go. In my mind, I think of travelling to a journey or going to a place. But I also think about this is the way we do things, the manner. You know, we don't do things like that. This is the way we do things around here. This is it's talking about acting a certain or living a certain way. So Jesus referred himself being the way, it's, it's the path to travel, but it's also the way we walk, the way we interact with God and one another. The way to God is not seven steps. If you ever see a book saying seven steps to God, that's not the way. The way to God is a person. It's Jesus. He's the way we come to God He's the way we understand God as well. We come through a person. So Jesus was upgrading the way that people connected with God. You know, at that time they would have sacrificed animals, had a whole sacrificial system, but they had a new way. In fact, when Christians used to gather, right at the beginning, they weren't called Christians. Did you know that? They weren't till called Christians until about 45 after AD um, when in Antioch, Antioch they said, you're, like, you're just like little Christ. You're like Christians. But before, you know what they were called? Uh, people of the way. The way. The way? Why the way? Well, this is a whole new way of approaching God, a whole new way of living. People of the way. Not people in the way. Not get out the way. But people of the way. And because uh, Jesus spent so much time talking about the, this is how you enter the kingdom of God, this is the kingdom of God. A new way. And it was revolutionary for people. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's pretty exclusive, isn't it? He wasn't just saying, I'm, I'm a way. Exclusive. I am. No one comes to the Father but through me. It's. It's exclusively through me. 
even if someone's thinking about God and they're not even thinking about Jesus, somehow Jesus, Jesus is making that possible. In the Old Testament, when they connected with God, they were looking forward to when Jesus came. They might not have known that, but Jesus was the way. All their sacrifices pointed to Jesus. And when someone's considering God and they don't know, it's actually somehow Jesus is even at that point, even though they haven't acknowledged him yet, he's making the way to God. That's quite a claim, the exclusiveness. I am the way. The second part is, I am the truth. Truth. Everyone seems to have a different truth. Let's, let's say I'm up here and I, I share a story today and I tell you about you know, what I've got out of the book of John. And as far as I can say, this is the truth, all right? This is the truth. And, but I come back a year later and I said, well, I've seen something extra now. I see it with different eyes. I thought that was the truth back then, but now I see it a little bit differently. You'd be okay with that, wouldn't you? You'd be okay? Nathan, you'd be okay? If I said I thought it was right, but I was not quite right, you know, I thought I was saying the truth, but now I can see things a little bit further. Okay, I think you'd be okay with that. But what if I said this? You know my teaching? I don't teach out of my own mind. I get it straight from God. I always tell the truth. In fact, I literally, I am the truth. I'm never wrong. I have all authority. You'd look at me. That's what Jesus was saying. I am the truth. He is the truth. He is the way. Jesus was claiming he's the way and he is the truth. Either he's, like Bono said, either he's so full of himself and delusional or he's right. Or he's right. So what's this truth about? Sometimes we think of, what's it for? Another famous scripture in John chapter 8 verse 32 says this, you shall know the truth and the truth shall, what? Set you free. That's what the truth is for. The truth isn't to give you knowledge or information. It's actually to bring freedom. So when Jesus says he's the truth, it's about setting you free. The more we know Jesus, the more we experience freedom. If your knowledge of God or your knowledge of the Bible or your knowledge of religion is bounding you up, guess what? You're doing it wrong. Because he became to set us free not to put restraints or to bind us up. The truth is not, not so much about information, but it's about freedom. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now, that l word life is the word zoe. You know, that's what, there was a zoe here earlier. The, the word zoe means life. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean like, I'm alive, I'm, I'm alive, now I'm dead, I'm in the grave life. It's actually not talking about that. In fact, in the Bible, when it talks about life, it hardly ever refers to that. It's not talking about carking it and six foot under. When it talks about life, it's actually talking about the quality of life, right? I, Jesus said, I come to give you abundant life. That's the word zoe, fullness of life. It's about blessing. It's about vigor. The concept goes way back to, have you ever heard of the tree of life? In the Garden of Eden, 
had the tree which you weren't supposed to eat of. That's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But there was a tree called the tree of life and you were supposed to feast on that one. And as you ate of the tree of life, you were filled with the fullness, the eternal life of God. Um, unbroken relationship, joy, peace and fellowship. That was the tree of life. It was sort of lost. We lost connection through that because of sin. And Jesus was saying, well, that life can be regained. He was sort of setting himself up as the new tree of life. This is how we now get our connection with God. We don't eat of a tree. We have a new tree of life called Jesus. And uh, even in the imperfect world, with imperfect people, which I saw one or two here this morning... Jesus is the way, again, to that abundant life, that fullness of life, that life with God. So Jesus is the way to God, the way we live with God. The sort of life we live. He's, he's the truth set us free. He's the life, that perfect relationship which satisfies no one comes to the Father but through me. Now, if you look at the context of this statement, you know, we're great at pulling verses out and sticking them on their fridge without context. When you read the context of this verse, we're going to read the context now. So this is towards the end of Jesus' life. The people are probably in the upper room. It's, they're just about to have the Last Supper very soon. Jesus is about to be crucified. So this is the context, okay? And this conversation goes for about, I don't know, five chapters or so. And it starts with verse 1. Well, I'll read that. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Because Jesus was saying what's about to happen. Trust in God and also trust in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If not, I would have told you so. I'm going to a prepare, uh, sorry, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you'll be with me where I'm going. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't know, Thomas said. If God had ever said just something and, um, and you said, no, I don't know that. We have no idea where you're going. How can we know the way? Thomas is so much like you and me. Then our verse comes in. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. You know what Jesus is saying? If you've seen me, you've seen God. Philip said, Lord... Show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Now just think about that. So Philip has been with Jesus for three years. He's seen Jesus heal people, seen Jesus raise someone from the dead, or more, more than one, seen him give sight to the blind, feed the 5,000, walk on water, incredible things. And he says, Jesus, you've been awesome, but I want to see the Father. Show us the big kahuna. That's what he's saying. See, um, you know, 
Moses didn't see him. He just saw a glimpse of him. And um, no one's, everyone's been denied. We want to see the Father. We want to see God. We, we know what you've done, Jesus, but we want to see God. It seems that Jesus gets a little bit ticked at this point. Because the next verse says this. Verse 9. Jesus replied to Philip, I have been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Okay, this is it. I'm not just a man. I am that one you want to see. I am God. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? These words, the words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Jesus was... He was saying it plain. This is the Son of God. This is God. I am God. Me and the Father are one. Don't ask to show me the Father. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was claiming to be God. When you look in my eyes, Philip, you're looking in the eyes of God. When you hear my words, Philip, you're hearing his words. When you see me, you've seen him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way to God. I'm totally trustworthy. I bring freedom. I'm the, the life. That's how Jesus. As you unpack the book of John, you'll see this. I am, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the resurrection and the life. Wow. Hey, you know what's cool about when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? I just saw this the other day. His friend was sick and dying. And Jesus had to go there near Jerusalem. But he knew if he went to Jerusalem, he was going to end up on a cross. He virtually went to Jerusalem to save his friend, raising from the dead, knowing that he would be crucified. That's a powerful thing, isn't it? That's, that's the sort of Jesus we have. One more scripture. We're going to turn to the book of Matthew at uh, 16. Then he asked the disciples, who do you say that I am? This is, this is your question. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not conquer it. Hey, we can all form our own opinions of Jesus. That's what Google's done. You know, everyone's got an opinion. But when God opens your eyes and your heart... To see who he really is, everything changes. You are blessed. You didn't make this up, Simon Peter. God's revealed this to you. Heaven's shown you this. The church is built when Jesus is revealed. Your life is built strong when Jesus is revealed. Upon this rock I will build my church. Thanks, Sarah.
You know, being a Christian, I mean, most people would know this. Acknowledging God's love for us and acknowledging Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. And part of that term, Lord and Saviour, is him being God. He wasn't just a man, a nice man who did awesome things. It was much more than that. And the whole Gospel of John is out to show you Every miracle, every statement, every encounter is to take you to a, on a journey so that's the conclusion you come to. When you read it, look for that. That's what God's trying to show you. Being a Christian is to acknowledge him as your Lord and Saviour, deciding to trust him and to follow him. Put your faith in him. You are the way, the truth and the life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And I pray that you will have become bigger in, in, in our hearts and our eyes, Lord, today. Lord, if uh, anyone who here who maybe has an unfolding understanding of who you are, Lord, I pray we'll be able to come to that point where when we're asked the question, who do you say I am? It'll be like heaven will open up our eyes. Yes, you really are the Son of God. You are my Saviour. You are my Lord. You might be a point like that this morning where, where you've come to a new realisation of that. And there's only really one response to that, and that's, Lord, I commit my life to you and I follow, I'm going to follow you. That's the only proper response when you understand who Jesus is is to say, Lord, thank you. Fill my life. Make me born again, as we heard about last week. And I want to be a follower of you. Um, just while you've got your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if anyone says, hey, I, I think I've come to that moment, I just want to pray for you from where, you, from, from where I am and where you are. Just give me a little wave and I'll, I'll pray for you. If there's anyone who just come to that realisation that, yeah, you are my Lord. I want to commit my life to you. Or, or perhaps, yeah, I, I, I've known this before, but I've drifted away. But I want to get back on that track, back on that path. If that's you, just give me a little wave and I won't um, embarrass you, but I just want to pray for you. Amen. Lord, I thank you for... The people here, people of our church, those who are here just today. Lord, I pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, when we open this word, the Bible, Lord, we will see you in such a powerful way, Lord. We won't be looking for the next steps to our, you know, what we need to do, but we'll be looking for you. Because we know when we find you, we find all these other things. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, which is the presence of Jesus here with us now. And whatever we said about Jesus, we can say about the Holy Spirit. With us, God with us. We thank you, Lord. As we leave this room, as we go into the foyer, have some time together, we take your presence with us because we're filled with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you, church.